Hello, I am Grayson Brulte, and welcome to another episode of SAE Tomorrow Today. Before this episode begins, please kindly take a moment to follow and be notified when a new episode is released. On today's episode, we met with Ann Schmelzer, General Manager, Global Ag Business for Cummins. As the global food economy continues to grow, Cummins supports the world's needs in terms of power and engines. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to have you here. Cummins is an iconic brand. Agriculture is cool, and you're bringing it all together. So I'm excited to dive into this conversation. Me too. And Cummins has been in the agriculture business since 1919 when Clessy Cummins sold diesel engines to farmers through the Sears Roebuck catalog. Remember that? That was when people shopped through catalogs and it was cool and you're cool. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Today, there are over 1 million Cummins agriculture engines in use on farms around the world. How is this growth possible? A hundred year history is a good start. Um, not all of the uh, engines are running from a hundred years ago, but we still have a few around. But also, you know, there's a lot of things about Cummins that make that possible from the diversity of the types of equipment and types of engines that we produce through our global footprint. Uh, we are all over the world and we've got both manufacturing and customers basically everywhere. We have a huge footprint. Um, and then a lot of uh, interest in terms of diversified agriculture for us. Um, so we go in a lot of unique applications in addition to traditional combines and tractors. What is diversified agriculture? Is it different machineries depending on the, the terrain or, or what a farmer um, might be planting or how they're going to manage the land? Yeah, when, when I say diversified agriculture, what I mean are things outside of traditional row crops. So uh, a lot of things that would be inside of orchards, nut shakers, sweepers, various applications that you might see out in California. Fair statement is the farms of the world run on Cummins engines? We like to think so. It's definitely an area of strategic growth for us. I think a lot of people might know us more uh, for our on-highway trucks uh, or maybe our, our Dodge Ram engines, but it's it's a area for us that's very high priority. Um, it fits well within our core competencies. And we're just really, really excited about what we can deliver in terms of innovation into this space. Cummins has this long history of innovation. You have an incredible background in agriculture economics. And for the record, economics are cool. I love to know. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're very, very welcome. <laughs> what is the current state of the agriculture business from an economic standpoint? We hear things about growth and global food storage, but I'd love to know with your incredible background in, in economics, what is the current state of the agriculture business from an economic standpoint? complex. I don't know that I could distill it down for you in, into a little bit of a soundbite for this podcast. But what I like to think about when we look at the, the global food economy is that it is growing, but you also have a lot of finiteness to it, um, if, if I can say that in that way. So we're not having more land mass, right? But we are having an increase in population We've got certain areas of the world that produce things very, very well, other areas of the world that produce other things very well. And then how do you maximize that you know, in terms of sustainability and nutrition density for the world, for a growing population? And so when I think about global ag economics, it's, it's through that lens and then you know, coming back to Cummins, how are we growing appropriately uh, to support those needs in this industry? Is the trend of fresh food you're seeing in schools around the country here in the United States with the fresh food programs, you're seeing the whole movement in restaurants with farm to table. Is that having an impact on your business as more and more fresh foods are, are getting shipped to individuals? 
I think that it's inextricably linked, whether you want to look at our on-highway side of the business through trucking or whether you want to look at the off-highway side and the agriculture business specifically, it absolutely is having an impact for us. Um, and I think that as we look to various growth mechanisms as a company, that's part of what makes this industry so, so important to us. You mentioned population growth, and the, the World Bank recently came out with a report saying the global population will be 9.7 billion. That's 9.7 billion with a B by 2050. With this projected global growth in population, how are you and the team working to prepare for the substantial growth and with, with more people are going to come tummies that need really good fresh food that's grown on farms that hopefully those farms are using Cummins engines? You know what's really interesting? So we look, we spend a lot of time looking at this kind of data. And what is interesting in terms of some of the trends is that we see growth in terms of power categories. So one of the highest areas of tractor usage today are powered by two cylinder engines. And when you look at where the growth in the market is starting to shift, we're seeing more and more of that movement and growth into the four cylinder, six cylinder um, and onward space. And for us, for Cummins, where our core competencies lie, tend to be in that higher power density categories. Some of what I think is driving that is really around uh, consolidation in farming, not in all cases, um, but when you get that consolidation, you have to go up in power in order to be able to capture those economies of scale. And so that's, that's a whole confluence of events that works really, really well for us and is something that's important as we think about our strategy in agriculture. And then you also get diversified power. Um, so different types of engines, whether it be natural gas, whether it be electric, whether it be uh, hydrogen fuel cell, and, and Cummins as a, as a whole company is positioning itself well to play across those different types of drivetrains. I'm, I'm sitting here smiling. You said about power. And last night I was watching Amazon Prime Video and they had Jeremy from Top Gear and he's got a farming show. And so he's got to go get the biggest Lamborghini tractor in the world. And the general said, well, that's too big. No, it's got power. Trust me, it's got power. It's, it's going to be good. It's a <laughs> There's no such thing. <laughs> and he was happy and boy, oh boy, in England, it, it did a really good job uh, for him. It was really, it was, it was a funny show. Is the power categories, is that the fastest growing segment inside of agriculture or is it more around the drivetrain with the, uh, um, the electric? I think growth in terms of electric usage uh, in agriculture has a, kind of a longer timeline associated with it, a longer horizon on the future. Um, but yeah, I think the movement in terms of power is absolutely one of the fastest areas of growth. Why do you think this trend is happening? Is it the farmer that watched the same Top Gear show that I did and say, okay, I want that tractor? <laughs> uh, it, it's a lot of different things, I think. Um, you know, there's some interesting data that I was looking at um, in some of the U.S. ag stats where you have an increasing size of farms at the same time that you have an increasing number of farms. And as an economist, you'd feel like, wait a minute, but those two things, that doesn't make any sense. Those curves should be oppositional to one another. And when you start to peel back some of the data, what you see is that there is an increase in the number of smaller farms and there is an aggregation in the size of the larger farms. And I don't want to speak in, in too sensitive of areas in terms of what's happening with the medium-sized producer, but that's some of what's driving that data. And so when you get into those larger farms, you've got heavier implements, you're trying to do more quickly, 
certainly <laughs> time value of money, weather, all those kinds of things. And then if you're doing it over larger acreage, you want that power, you want that speed, you want to be able to use the largest implements to get things done. And you need that extra power, that extra pulling capability. Really smart. And another trend that's actually been around for over 20 years is my favorite topic, autonomy. Autonomous vehicles have been operating on farms, doing really great things. And a few years ago, Marcy Hyman, who's the incredible producer of this podcast, and I were to Velodyne Summit, and we got to meet Gus, the the global unmanned spray system. And I thought this thing was like a military application. Like, this is the coolest contraption in the world. It is the coolest looking thing. Absolutely. You partnered with Crinklaw Farm Services for that. You talk about that partnership and and why Gus was created and why it's running on a Cummins engine. Gosh, I don't I don't want to speak on behalf of Mr. Crinklaw, who's just wonderful, and and the whole team has been wonderful to work with. But in terms of that partnership, one of the areas that Cummins really excels is our ability to customize applications. We have a whole fleet of application engineers who are incredible at what they do, so they can take our bla- our our base platforms and really tailor and customize them into the most unique applications um, and do so in such a way that's very customer friendly. And I think when Mr. Crinklaw approached us, um, that idea of having those application engineers and also a service and support network that could be almost plug and play for them and let them stay focused on what they were really trying to achieve with Gus uh, was really appealing. And I think for our engineers, you know, what a fascinating project to get to work on. And it was it was just kind of a partnership made in heaven. And it speaks volumes to the Cummins brand. You're you're known for making incredible drivetrains and incredible engines. So I want to know why was the QS B6.7 engine chosen? Was that the big powerful engine and, and you <laughs> had your top gear moment, or why was that one chosen? It was appropriately sized for what they needed. And again, you know, tailoring it for a spraying application to be able to run long with great fuel efficiency up and, you know, along whatever rows and whatever maps it's being uh, plugged in and and placed into. But our our B6.7 is kind of an iconic engine for Cummins. It's incredibly reliable and is again, in terms of the ratings and the power, really well suited for what the Gus application needed, but can also be tailored into a lot of other applications that we're, that we're really proud of as well. Not only do you have an incredible brand, you have an incredible brand that is reliable, and I emphasize, underline, bold, and highlight reliable. And Nor- Norbert Bougeau, <laughs> who's the founder of Dot Technologies, chose a 173 horsepower Cummins B4.5 tier four engine for the company's autonomous agriculture platform, the Dot Power. In choosing the engine in a public statement, Mr. Uh, Norbert stated the following. When I was selecting the engine, it was important to have something very, very reliable, something that farmers knew and understood and had faith in. Of course, the Cummins name has been around forever, so it was a natural fit. As you scale the ag business, is this a common trend where individuals say Cummins is a brand that we trust, it is a brand that is reliable? I think so. It's interesting because while we are growing in terms of where we're positioning ourselves inside of ag applications themselves, we are in and around farms. We have stationary power, so you might see Cummins gen sets. Obviously, again, with the Dodge Ram, uh, it being you know, an, incredible, an incredible truck, uh, whether you're hauling grain to and from, you know, and you've got a traditional on-highway diesel engine, we are familiar. And then also in terms of our footprint with our distribution business, sales and support and service 
you know, we are all over America and it's not like we're just located on the coast, but we can support you in the middle of America. We can support you in farm country. And I think those are some of the things that help make Cummins recognizable in this space. With autonomous ag equipment scaling, it's becoming a trend now. There's all we had Bear Flag Robotics on our previous podcast. They're working on it. You have Monarch Tractors that's working on it. What are your thoughts on the model that's starting to be incubated in Silicon Valley as the farming as a service model? Any any thoughts on that? I think it's fascinating. And and I think that it could be really interesting uh, for, for farmers. I mean, I, this is a terrible example, but I think a little bit about myself, you know, in my role, there are things that I do really, really well that I always want to be involved in. And then there are things that I'm like, oh, you know, I could outsource that and still be okay. That would be fine with me. And, and I wonder sometimes if it's the same for farmers. And so are there some areas where something really specialized, like what Bear Flag is doing, you know, appropriate for them? And I think the answer can very much be yes. I think that what that yes is looks different for different farms um, and what they desire to be good at and what they want control of on their operation. But I absolutely see that as part of the future of farming. Awesome. It's really great to hear that there there are different paths that, that farmers can go. There's, there's different opportunities that can go, and hopefully Cummins is the glue that makes all the different models work together. We're starting to see another trend. It's 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 emerging in the markets around energy. Energy is a hot topic. It's on CNBC. It's in the Wall Street Journal. I love to know, what is the primary fuel being used in agriculture today, and how do you see that changing over the next 10 to 20 years? So today it's still diesel, which with the current technologies, you, you really, in my opinion, you struggle a little bit to get away from diesel power right this moment in terms of dollars per horsepower and, and how you might want to look at it from that perspective. Regionally, there's some interesting things like in Russia, there's some, some push around natural gas uh, and you'll find it in other places as well, but Russia has a lot of natural gas, and so it works well for some in terms of infrastructure for that region. When I think about other types of drivetrains and power choices over the long term, I think that there will be a shift where it makes sense. I don't know that it will happen as quickly as some folks think that it might, and, and I could be completely wrong about that. But farming and, and certain applications and certain sizes still requires that raw power density. And I, I can see opportunities where long term, you know, you might have a smaller fleet of tractors running autonomously. But then I also like to think about what problem are we trying to solve? Right. And when you think about drivetrain selection versus maybe like autonomous technology with autonomy, you're solving you know, the labor problem. And sometimes you can't get the labor that you need on the farm. Sometimes you can't afford that labor. Lots of different pieces go into why autonomous technology makes sense. Right now, in farming, in agriculture, diesel still makes sense. And so I think that where there's opportunity to change or where there's reason to change, whether it's government mandates um, or regional necessity, you will see some movement. Uh, but I, I still see I still see diesel for a, a good while to come in the industry. You're right about diesel. We've had the American Petroleum Institute, Dean Foreman, the chief economist on, talking about the oil markets. We've had Vince Leiter, who runs innovation for Marathon Petroleum, talking about the oil markets. The diesel infrastructure for farms and, and different parts of the country is in place. They, they, the infrastructure, the refueling, and it makes a lot of sense. And I love the line, 
dollars for horsepower. Now that's a really <laughs> cool line, and it's something. Diesels, it's, it's a great solution. You can get really good torque if, depending on what you have to to do on the farm, and it's comfortable in the infrastructure there. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be a long term trend, and it makes a lot of sense for a lot of these farmers that are on extremely tight budgets. And one thing that I would also add, kind of getting back into that, what problem are we trying to solve statement is around the the after treatment and emissions. And so with stage five, with tier four finals, stage five is the European regulation for off-highway tier four finals here in the United States, you have incredibly clean air coming out of these engines. And I don't want to discount the importance of environmental impact, but I think that what we are doing with these engines today continues to help address that. Can we do more as, as things convert to electrified power? Certainly. Uh, but what we have today versus, I mean, you know, even if you go back 15, 20 years ago, it's, it's incredible. You're making really great steps. There's, you can't say anything wrong about Cummins. You're, you're making really good steps and you're doing a really great job to, to serve your customers, the farmers that are producing the food that I feed to my family and you feed to your family. And it's a, it's a really good thing. We've discussed a lot of engines during this uh, podcast. I love no. Are there other engines that your ag customers are looking at? Or they say, oh, yeah, we want, we want that Jeremy Clarkson one. <laughs> like, Can you shed some more light on some of the engines that your ag customers are requesting? Do they want the, – is it all about power? Are they looking for efficiency or kind of what are they really looking for? Does it depend on the size of the farm? It depends on the size of the farm to some degree. I think it depends on the, the application itself. Uh, and then sometimes it's down to how, you know, what is its intended use in that operation. But I think fuel economy continues to be a big deal in farming. You need power, but as, you know, as farmers are price takers and they have to be really, really careful with their input costs, fuel economy becomes an area where they're able to do that. So if you get way outside the zone, you might have something that's incredibly powerful and that's really great. But if you're hemorrhaging money and fuel, that's not so great. So it's, you got to strike that balance between some of those uh, needs for the end user. I think fuel economy is a big deal. I also think that uh, power to the ground is a big deal. And so you don't want to have a lot of parasitic losses coming off of the engine. And how can you really maximize that driveline so that the power that you're generating is going to the right places? So there's some real uh, optimization and tailoring that goes on. Um, that our engineers do a brilliant job of. And I think that when, when purchasing a piece of equipment, those are some of the things that have to be considered when you're looking at its overall productivity. Are there certain engines that are optimized for certain tasks on a farm where you can get that optimization that you discussed? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, combines are a great example of this. So they need to run at a, a steady, relatively steady state and do the job that's put in front of them. And there's minor fluctuations in what that looks like, but they really need a flattened power curve. And so with the with our L9, for example, um, which is an engine that's been in the Cummins portfolio for a long time and is real steadfast for us, uh, we've recently reworked that torque curve so that it's really optimized for the combine application. So you get that nice flattened curve so that it performs how it needs to. And again, coming back to that fuel economy, all those kinds of things tie together. It's a fully optimized engine. And then on the backside of that, has the global supply chain had any impact on your business? I'd like to talk to the person in 2020 who can say that global supply chain has not impacted their business. I think that might be a shorter <laughs> list and a shorter conversation. <laughs> it has impacted us, but I think that that's 
part of the strength of Cummins is that we have such an incredible global supply base. And I don't know if anyone in our supply chain organization has slept in the last 18 months, but they're doing an incredible job. And I feel like some of the data that I'm seeing, some of the interactions that I'm having, we are doing our absolute best to manage those supply chain impacts, to prevent customer downtime, to prevent any kind of impact to our customers. It is happening, but it is incredibly well managed. And then we try to pivot however we can um, to ensure that we deliver as best we can and minimize any kind of impact. But yeah, it's absolutely happening. Well managed is the key to success. You're right. Every company went through the disruption. Some completely bluntly mismanaged it and you well managed it. And it goes into the, the leadership at Cummins. And that's why you've been around for over 100 years, continuing to deliver great products for your customers. I'll take a step back for a moment and ask this question. Ag is cool, but why did you decide to get into the ag business? Was there, aha, this is like cool and this is the future? What, what was that? Oh gosh, do you want the real answer? Or do you want- I love the, the real or answer. Or do you want the polished answer? <laughs> uh, for me personally, it, there were two moments. The first was that I desperately, desperately wanted to go into animal science. Unfortunately, uh, I was not blessed, particularly in the areas of organic chemistry or calculus. So that dream died quickly and early for me, but I was at Purdue University and the head of animal science, really kind gentleman, he said, you know, I think you need to check out agricultural economics. I think it would suit your skills, which was really uh, prescient and kind of him. And so I also realized that he was absolutely right. And so I went down the street and said, okay, agricultural economics it is. And then I got part way through my undergrad and had a little got a little nervous about it like okay so what am i going to go do with this and i'm not from a farm and i'm not going back to a farm and i spent a semester abroad and you know i mean these are the things that come across your mind as a 19 year old but i was like man everybody eats like everybody in the world eats no one in the world is going to not ever be eating that's a lot of job security right and then not only that, but then as I got older and I had other experiences, I realized that food is cultural. It is intrinsic. It is powerful. And who wouldn't want to work in this, right? I mean, if you want to have purpose in your life, in your job, it doesn't get any better than getting to work in agriculture. And then also you partner that up with some of these amazing technological shifts that you're seeing. And on the one hand, farming is one of the oldest industries on the planet. And on the other hand, I think it is one of the absolute most technical fields you can get into and the rate of change and the evolution of what's going on. It's amazing. It's absolutely breathtaking. And I, I can't imagine not working in agriculture now. I love, love, love the line, food is cultural. It, it, you learn so much through food. You're visiting you know, different countries, different customs, different cultures different types of food and it's a really amazing and it's a great way to see the world and to learn people uh, learn about people and, and experience things and i want to point out produce a great school we've had i think we're going on four or five guests over the course of the sae podcast that have graduated from purdue so you're in really good company so thank you for giving a shout out to that incredible university the world's facing a global skills gap and so cummins created the cummins tec the technical education for communities program to train low-income youth in employable technical skills and connect them to good jobs in their communities through school-based industry-supported skills training. 
Will you kindly talk about this program and the positive impact it's had on these individuals that have gone through the program? Yeah, happy to. I, I love the tech program. I think that it's one of the things that it's an example of one of the things that I love about Cummins so much. Um, when I first started at Cummins, gosh, I, I don't know that I should share this. My, you know, my background is in agricultural economics. That's my education. That was where some of my first job was. And, and when I showed up to Cummins, you know, with in the interview process, I'm like this piece of paper, this resume, like, this is it. This is all I come with. Like, I don't know, you know, I, I could barely point to an oil pan for you. And come and said, you know, we, we want the diversity. We want you here. You obviously have a propensity to learn. You'll learn. And I thought, okay. Uh, and, and then, of course, I, I did. And everyone was really kind to me. But, you know, I had to do things like make equipment flashcard and other probably not so glamorous things. Um, and Cummins cares and they care about diversity and, and they don't just make that statement and they've been saying it you know, way before some of the, the most recent dynamics that I think have shifted some of that corporate dialogue. And tech is a great example of that. Uh, so tech is, is basically, we partner um, with existing infrastructure, you know, over 50 other organizations. We've got 24 sites in 14 countries we have 1,400 graduates of this program. And the idea behind tech is to create skills, you know, f to support and be able to work on all kinds of different applications and, and not just Cummins diesel engines, um, but build skills and job infrastructure uh, for, for people all over the world where it makes sense and in a way that is not outside of the norm or going outside of existing organizations, but partnering with existing organizations with existing schools to help make sure that the curriculum uh, really delivers graduates who can then go out and get jobs and are completely ready to then turn around and be able to work on the site. It's special because I like you said Cummins cares, but you could expose an, an individual to a career like you, like you were exposed to ACT and say, wow, this is a really great career trajectory for me. There's lots of opportunities inside of this industry, which is really great because I believe the greatest thing that you can give to a child is discovery. And they can have an idea and go off and they can go invent something or they can go down a career path and change the world. So you're doing really great things at Cummins and I give Cummins leadership and yourself a lot of credit for that. We've covered a ton of ground on this podcast and this has been fun. But the big question's coming. What is the future of the ag business? The future of the ag business, you know, I think for me, one of the things that I love to think about is finite parameters with infinite potential. So we've talked about a lot of the, the things that agriculture is up against, right? It, you know, finite land mass, growing population, all of these known challenges. And, and there's just infinite potential, whether it's coming from a small startup or a traditional company like Cummins, where we are able to take this industry and how we're able to do that on behalf of people all over the globe is phenomenal. And I think for Cummins, it's been really smart how our leadership has positioned the company where we want to be able to meet you, uh, you know, as an OEM where you are. So if you are wanting to push into hydrogen fuel cell, if you're wanting the absolute most reliable diesel engine, if you need to go into a country that has lesser regulated emissions than you know 
than the United States or Europe. We're positioned to be able to do that, and we want to be able to do it in a way that drives the most value for our customers all over the world. And, and the ag segment for Cummins is no different, and, and I really feel strongly about that. That's a really great way to wrap this up because I'd love to know, what would you like our listeners to take away with them today? I think you might have said it yourself, Grayson. Ag is cool. Uh, that's, that's so simple, but it's so true. And I guess if there are, um, to, to people listening to this call, you know, and, or to this uh, podcast, this discussion, and, you know, maybe they're at a crossroads for what they want to do with their career, or, you know, maybe they've been in the industry for a long, long time and, and feel just as inspired about it as I do. There are incredible things happening if you look and, and, we all just need to keep pulling together and, and pushing the envelope because the outcomes are incredible. The outcomes are incredible. Comets is going to play an extremely vital role in the future of the world because as we heard today, tomorrow is today, today is tomorrow, and Comets is having an extremely positive impact on the world. And thank you so much for coming on the SAE Tomorrow Today podcast today. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Grayson. Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. Be sure to join us next time when I sit down with Lisa Clavelou, Senior Director, Group Quality, Pratt & Whitney. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next by emailing us at podcast at sae.org. That's podcast at sae.org. And be sure to follow us on LinkedIn to stay connected and to continue the conversation. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.